Well, there's very powerful, it's a very powerful gospel, and um, there's a lot that could be said, very challenging to say the least. Uh, but I do want to continue to focus on Romans. I think this is our, our final week of Romans. And um, it's been a real, uh, a great privilege, really. We have to understand our, our, the, the new lectionary, the way that it's arranged, that we can go through the Bible in a continuous fashion in, the, in this manner. It's, it's really wonderful. Um, it, it helps us, or at least it's supposed to help us, get a better understanding of the Bible as a book, as a whole, instead of just having little snippets here, little snippets there. Um, we've seen Romans 1 through 8 focusing on the, the, the kind of primary revelations of our faith in terms of grace, Christ's sacrifice, sa- sacrament of baptism, uh, the moral life. And then in Romans 9 through 11, we have this reflection on the relationship of the Jewish people uh, to Christianity and how important that is. And then my, my homily last Friday was a, was a meditation on how we never think about the Jewish people. You know, I mean, it's, it's really quite remarkable. But here's St. Paul saying that um, they are going to receive mercy, meaning that God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They will... Except they will find the mercy of God in Christ Jesus uh, eventually. And that is a promise of sacred scripture. It's really held in our tradition. Uh, it's an integral part of our tradition. It's always been there. Uh, I can remember when my my dad had this old proverb that he probably heard from his, uh, his mother or his grandmother. Uh, something like, you know, you've, we've all heard the phrase, well, that's not going to happen uh, you know, when the kingdom comes. You know, that, that kind of a thing, meaning... You know, this is like, it's really not going to happen because it's off in the future, right? Well, I think there's another proverb like that when, yeah, when the, when the Jews convert, when the Jews convert, you know, because it's the same thing. It's like when the kingdom comes, it's being, it's being cynical, but, uh, it's rooted in that part of what's always been part of our faith that the Jewish people are going to, um, believe in Christ right before he comes. It's part of the promise. Um, it's right in the, our current catechism. There's a whole section on it right in our current catechism. And how is that going to happen? I mean, the more religious a Jewish person is, the more difficult it is to convert them to Christianity. I mean, it's extremely, it's, it's easier to convert a Muslim than it is to convert a, a Jew to Christianity. Uh, it's easier to convert an atheist by far than it is to convert a Jew or, or a Muslim probably for that matter to Christianity. Um, well, it's going to happen. And I do see certain things taking place uh, that are going to make it possible. Um, two things come to mind. In uh, studies, uh, critical studies of the Gospels, historical studies of the Gospels, in the past hundred years, there's been three phases. The first phase of scholarship starting from about 1910 going to about 1940, before World War II. And then there was a second phase this is referred to as the search for the historical Jesus, going from after World War II to about 1970 or so. Starting in the 70s, there's a third a third quest for the historical Jesus that, that took place in academia. These are unbelieving scholars, believing scholars, all, all stripes and creeds, and um, uh, bringing to bear on the Gospels every ounce of historical knowledge we can possibly garner. Huge amounts of effort and research going into trying to unpack and understand the historical context of Jesus' day and his life. 
and uh, the the writing of the Gospels. That third phase is often referred to as a search for the Jewish Jesus, the Jewish Jesus, coming to understand Jesus as a Jew. And uh, huge amounts of um, effort into trying to understand Judaism and ancient Judaism of the first century. So starting from the 70s onward. So we're, you know, into 50 years of very intense research in Judaism. And um, I, I was a privileged beneficiary of this kind of academics for many, many years of my life. Um, so I think that's a, a serious uh, preparation, really, for the conversion of the Jews, is just simply understanding Judaism and its intersection with, with Jesus. Another huge development is the Second Vatican Council. Okay, During the Second Vatican Council, an entire document, sections of documents dedicated to the question of the Jewish people uh, because of anti-Semitism, especially in Europe, and the bad history of uh, you know discrimination against and persecution of Jews in Europe and in light of the Holocaust and these sorts of things were addressed very forthrightly in the Second Vatican Council, and the Council made a way forward between Jewish and Christian relations that we haven't seen since St. Paul. I mean, really, we haven't seen since St. Paul writing the Book of Romans. So, very, very significant, extremely significant, signs of the times. And uh, we look at these things and we can say, you know, this is these are stepping stones that God is putting in place for this to take place. Now, just stepping back here for practical application for us, you know, it's a reflection here in Romans. Here's Paul, and he is he's reflecting on all of salvation history. And uh, why are the Jews not receiving the gospel now? Well, it's for our sake, but and we're receiving it now for their sake in the future. And so it's a meditation on God's wisdom, his providence, how he's got everything under control. And even though sometimes it doesn't look like it, it doesn't appear to be the case, uh, but that God really is in control. And there's this kind of a wisdom guiding everything in history. And so he says, how inscrutable are his judgments, how unsearchable his ways, how inscrutable his judgments, how unsearchable his ways. I think the inscrutability of God's ways gives people a lot of anxiety. And um, it's a cause for concern. It's a cause for resentment. I think sometimes people can even be mad at God because they just don't, you know, God, why are you not doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? And uh, so that inscrutability is there. Nonetheless, by the time we get to Romans chapter 11, right at the end here, I think we've seen enough proof that God, though he doesn't tell us everything up front and doesn't, you know, have a... mm, coffee conference with us on a daily basis, you know, as to his plans, he, he loves us. And, and that should be enough for us. Christ came and he, and he died for our sins uh, out of love for us. And so we can reflect to ourselves, you know, all of these this kind of wonderful mysteries and the, the conversion of the Jews and all this other kind of stuff, these big picture questions and all these inscrutable things you know, we can get lost in the wonder of it all, but is it enough for us that that God loves us? Is it enough for us uh, that he cares enough for us that he sent his only begotten son to die for us? And, and that, that should be uh, enough for us.